Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Code. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix with Physio Room, coming to you with another episode, an awesome interview that we have lined up for you guys today. Um, so joining me today is a functional podiatrist and founder and owner of Naboso, Dr. Emily Splickle. Thank you so much for jumping on here and uh, recording with us on The Code. Awesome. It's a pleasure to be here. Hope everyone is doing amazing. Yeah. And again, wherever you guys are listening, however you're tuning into this, thank you for being on here. Um, we wouldn't be able to have this show without you. But without further ado, uh, Dr. Emily, would you be able to just, you know, share us a little bit about your background, share with us your background, how you got into, you know, becoming a podiatrist in the field that you're in? How did you start Naboso? And like, just tell us your story. Absolutely. So I am a podiatrist, as you had said, but I actually consider myself a functional podiatrist, which Many of the listeners might not know what that is. Um, it's actually not a formal specialty within podiatry. It's kind of what I consider myself. Uh, similar to in Western medicine, there's now functional medicine doctors is really looking holistically, integratively at the human body. I try to tie in the foot with the rest of the body from a movement perspective. But then when I see anyone with chronic pain or connective tissue issues, plantar fasciitis, things like that. I try to factor in diet, sleep, stress, breath patterns, uh, foot to pelvic floor, footwear. So it's a very integrative approach that I take with patients. Um, in addition, I am a human movement specialist of my master's in human movement. And when I got my master's in human movement, I focused it primarily on barefoot science and footwear science. So this was happening at the same time as the barefoot running boom, the Vibram five finger shoes that uh, had come out. So it was kind of that same timing within the industry. And I specialized within that. So I kind of married my podiatry with this barefoot footwear science. And then another really important part of my profession and how I approach patients is that I have a fitness background of over 20 years. Uh, and before that, what led into fitness was that I was a competitive gymnast. So being a mover myself since the age of six and then going into fitness and then ultimately into podiatry and human movement. Um, ultimately, I love feet because they connect to movement. Yeah. Well, I first off, I love your background because as a physical therapist, and, you know, physio room is the second place that um, that I've had the opportunity to work and spend time. Um, I've always felt like I've had a bit of a hard time connecting really well with the average podiatry office. Uh, you know, I've I take the same type of approach as you is I like to be like really functional about things. How can we address the root cause of whatever ailments the person is dealing with? And I've never felt like that is the approach that's taken in most typical podiatry offices. So I love that you you know, market and, and name yourself as a functional podiatrist, because it sounds like that's really what you're doing. Yeah. And I have a hard time connecting to those podiatrists as well, <laughs> because I do not push 
orthotics to patients and supportive shoes. It is what we are taught in podiatry school. So a lot of the podiatrists out there, unfortunately, are just sharing or utilizing a direct application of what was taught within podiatry school versus questioning things. So my practice was based off of me questioning things, seeking out additional education, training, probably similar to what you've done that relates to fascia and breath patterns and, you know, perhaps some kinesiology taping or influencing the nervous system. And it's that, that was a lot based off of my own curiosity and knowing that to give a patient, let's say a structured shoe and orthotic and then say, okay, thanks. Good luck. (laughs) Like that's kind of what we were taught. And it was just so limited that I never wanted to have a patient that I had limited skills or resources to offer them that I would ever have to say the words, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, or, or just live with it. And that's unfortunately what I hear patients coming to me that they were told from a medical special specialist is, I don't know, or just live with it. And that's, I would never say that to someone. Oh man. Yeah. That's frustrating just to hear that. And, you know, I've not had the experience personally of, you know, working with from a client or a patient standpoint, working with a podiatrist necessarily, but I've had the opportunity of working with a lot of clients who have, and that's always been the, the story that I'm told is, I went to, well, usually it's, I went to my primary care provider. They told me to go to the podiatrist and they just gave me this custom orthotic, or they gave me this heel lift or they, whatever, right. They switched me into a different pair of shoes. And then, so then I asked the client, I'm like, okay, so, you know, was there any sort of curiosity or was there any sort of like, you know, assessment of trying to figure out like why you actually have this in the first, have this issue in the first place? Mm-hmm. And the answer is always no. And that's what, you know, what we like to do in our office. What I like to do in my practice is, okay, great. We do want to treat your symptoms to get you feel better, to feel better, but we have to figure out why that they're there in the first place. And that's the thing that we really can address to help you not have to keep dealing with this and just, just living with it. Like you just said. Yeah. Again, that's that integrated approach, the curious approach, not just curious within your profession, but curious about the root cause for the patient or the client that you might be seeing and always wanting to provide more to truly impact and change someone's quality of life. It's just a different professional or practitioner. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I would imagine, um, at least from what I've seen in our practice, that's probably the same with you is by providing that type of client experience and that type of an approach with that curiosity. I'm sure your ability to connect and build relationships with your clients has been way better. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually had some patients say, can you do my surgery? And I was like, I have not done surgery in five years. You do not want me to do your surgery. I'm glad that we've established that rapport and that trust, but you know, I, I left surgery for a reason, Um, but it's, it just shows the value of rapport and trust and how that could lead to like, no, no, no. I want you to be my surgeon or I want you to do this. And you might say, I I don't do that, but Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, so this is cool. You said that you um, were involved in uh, gymnastics for a long time, it sounds like. So um, what you said, you're a mover, and that's part of why you like to function the way that you do. What types of um, you know physical activity and fitness do you like to get into these days? I love body weight. I think that there's a value of being able to control and manipulate your own body. Of mm-hmm. course, I like to be barefoot doing that because I want to access 
the nerves and the muscles and how integrated the foot is with the rest of the body. Um, gymnastics is barefoot. Gymnastics is body weight. Gymnastics is also very tension-based. So anything that is very fascial, I'm, I'm very drawn to fascial-based workouts. So outside of body weight, balance training, being barefoot, uh, really what I do as my workout is I do aerials, which is... <laughs> I'm not even on the ground, which there's a little irony there as a podiatrist. And I was really talking <laughs> yeah. about feet and I'd rather be in the air off of the ground. Yeah. Um, but that that utilization of your own tensioning, stiffening power and how to access strength through fascia yeah. is that's just inherent because of so many years as a gymnast that that's typically what I like to go to versus just, you know, pumping iron and moving it. Right. Um, but yeah, I. I am someone who movement is my therapy, <laughs> you yeah. say. Like it really is, is if there's like stress, anxiety, big change in life. If I go to the gym or the studio or a space and I move and I connect to my physical body again, it grounds me. It kind of is like, okay, you are here. You're good. You're connected, right? You found this constant um, which I think is important. That's how I try to have everyone look at the power of movement. Yeah, definitely. And I resonate with that pretty well because I really struggle to sit still and sit around. And, um, you know, that became really apparent when my wife and I, um, were planning our like honeymoon that we were going to take. And we pretty much just decided we cannot go somewhere where we're just going to sit on the <laughs> beach or hang out at a resort for like a week because I would have gone crazy. Um, so we did something where, you know, we went to a couple different places and we were in the car and driving and hiking and doing all sorts of active stuff because I'm right there with you when I have stress in my life or whatever, like, but I can get back to either the gym or go for a run or hike or whatever that is and just get my body moving. It's really amazing how it's able to help me like manage and, um, deal with some of that stuff. And it's a great time to do some thinking too. So we hear that story quite often. Um, well, so tell me a little bit more about your background in the sense of like, where did you do your training and you know, what, what were you doing first when you started working as a podiatrist or as a functional podiatrist or, or was there a port, uh, point in time where you kind of like made that transition of, you know, I don't know if you were working and then you decided, I just can't practice like this anymore. I need to change what I'm doing. And then how did that turn into, uh, starting Naboso? Yeah. So I, my background initially is actually forensics and not that many people know it. It's not connected to anything I do right now, yeah. um, but it does actually connect to the way that my mind works as far as being a detective. That's how I look at like patients and movement dysfunctions and compensation is, you know, you get it. You have to be a little bit of a detective. You're putting pieces of the puzzle and asking questions to garner information. Um, so anyway, so I was doing forensic work and training and uh, super unhappy because you are in a lab pipetting and just very disconnected from the real world and movement. So I decided to leave that, walked into a gym and said, I want to be a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. I don't think I really knew what one was at that time, <laughs> and uh, but I was like, oh, I was a gymnast. I can train people. Anyway, they hired me, started getting into it, but I, I knew I wanted like a graduate degree or something a little bit higher. That's when I started looking at um, medical schools, various types, chiropractic, things like that, mm -hmm. and um, got accepted into NYCPM in New York City. 
that's where I was living. And I was personal training and teaching group exercise. So as I was going through the four years of podiatry school, I was still in fitness. So I was applying what I was learning immediately to my clients. And that's where I started saying, wait, but what about what about the glutes? What about the core? How is that? So I started kind of questioning, I think, because of that, um, that I stayed relevant within the fitness industry, right? So I'm going through it. Then I graduate um, part of podiatry that I think a lot of people might not realize is that you have to become a surgeon, period. You have to go through surgical training. You don't have to get board certified ever, but you have to go through X number of surgeries to get licensed. So I was starting residency, very intense, all surgical. And I was like, wait, I don't think this is what I signed up for. I don't know. <laughs> and I felt like very lost because I was like, that's not really the intent of why I went to podiatry school or graduate school. I wanted to connect it to movement of what I was seeing in the fitness industry. Yeah. So I left. Yep. I'm going to call it quit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I quit residency. That's a hard and, word to say, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I quit residency uh, and potentially could have massively burned a bridge, which I encourage the listeners to probably don't do what I did, but learn kind of what I did. So then I left. And then that's when I actually went um, back to school to get my master's. Mm-hmm. So I actually had my medical degree, didn't fully complete my residency got my master's. And then when I got my master's in human movement, I needed to get licensed. Otherwise I wasted a quarter million of a dollar in school. So I, and four years. So then I went back to residency, played the game, learned the surgery, right. Got licensed. And then the entire time that I was going through my residency, I was kind of satisfying the part of me that needed movement by reading research articles and kind of developing that. Mm-hmm. So from day one, day one that I started practicing as a licensed podiatrist, I had this lens through which I looked at my patients. So my uh, questioning and like, I can't practice that way. I need to be kind of how I am now, right? Yeah. It was actually that quitting residency, going and doing that. So it was it was a very abrupt, potentially risky yeah, sure. <laughs> decision to do that. And then... I did five years of traditional podiatry. I did five years of surgery. Mm -hmm. So I understand the perspective. It pays very well. I started seeing myself being swayed by the dollar sign and was like, I can't ethically, I can't do this or morally within myself. I can't do this where I was actually in a practice that if I would order an MRI, I would literally get a $50 bonus. If I ordered anything of these things where I was like, oh my God, by just ordering those tests, I made an extra $500 today. That's very, it's human nature to get biased in that. And I was like, I can't do it. So I left that, stopped doing surgeries five years after I had graduated. So that's about five years ago and opened my practice, which is the center for functional and regenerative podiatry. So don't do surgery anymore. Very functional movement specialist, referral basis only. Um, so very niche practice. That is awesome. What's going on code listeners, Dr. Andrew fix here. And I want to tell you about our friends at element element makes a tasty electrolyte drink with everything that you need and nothing that you don't. That means the science backed electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium, and none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. 
And that's why I use it. I've been taking Element for two years now, and I absolutely love the stuff. And I wouldn't want to exercise without it. For all of you code listeners and friends of Physio Room, Element's offered a special to you guys, and I want you to take advantage of it. Go ahead and visit drinkelement.com slash physioroom. That's drinklmnt.com slash physioroom to receive that special offer. You're going to get a free variety pack with any purchase that you place. And uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. Thanks so much. The timing of us recording this podcast, like couldn't, couldn't be better. I don't know when exactly this will air and when this other one will air, but I actually just recorded one yesterday that was pretty much around the topic of imaging and Mm -hmm. how it's not always necessary, uh, especially in order for us to like treat somebody and treat them well, we don't need an image to do that. But that's the way that the medical system is set up is it's just like you're checking a box or, or you're incentivized to do so, to order these tests because the, you know, you're going to bill the insurance company or bill the client for it. And that's going to financially benefit the practice. And it's just so amazing to hear you say that if you were, if you order an MRI, you would get a, a bonus because yeah, I mean, the human nature would be, Hey, this is going to benefit me. And you think in your head, like, well, it's not going to hurt the client to do this. So oh, well, I guess we might as well just do it. Um, what, you know, what harm is that? But um, it's so amazing that you, you know, found yourself being pulled the other way because you just knew like, this is, this isn't what I am meant to be doing. I'm meant to be doing this other thing. So, um, so that's awesome. So, okay. So you opened your practice. Um, and when you opened it was, this was in New York. Yes. So 2017 in New York city. But you since have relocated from New York and now you're in Arizona. Is that right? Yes. So I'm in just outside Phoenix, Arizona. I am licensed in New York and Arizona. So theoretically I could see patients in person in both. A majority of my patients have actually shifted to virtual. So I see patients all around the world. Um, I'm not under insurance Mm -hmm. because I, by design, spend an hour with a patient giving a very boutique experience. Um, And that's the value of a fee for service or a cash based physician. Now Uh, a majority of patients understand that. And they know that they want that level of care and they actually want someone to listen. So if I have an hour, I'm actually going to really listen to the patient and what their, their concerns are and and all of that. And then I explain, I have to, it it takes time for me to educate the patient on what I'm seeing and the effect of what I'm seeing on their future. Absolutely. And that's why I think, you know, somebody like yourself in our practice at physio room, I think this is why we connect so well is because we both have this quality over quantity mindset of how we care for our clients. And like, you know, we, we do the exact same thing. We work with a couple insurances, but for the most part, we're out of network because we don't want to be, you know, dictated by the insurance, how we are to provide care or, or dictated by, you know, what they say our value and our time is worth. And that changes how we're able to provide care. So I get it hundred percent. And and yeah, I agree. I think more and more clients are starting to understand that, you know, the restrictions that are placed on providers and that in order to get out of that, you kind of have to just play a different game and not, you know, not try and just uh, keep doing the traditional healthcare system thing. So um, I think it's awesome that you decided to open that practice. I think it's awesome that you're able to connect and work with clients virtually from wherever. So how long ago was it, um, Dr. Emily, that you decided to start Nabosa? 
Yes. And I do apologize. I think you asked that twice. And I was like, I've actually never connected what I do to Naboso. So oh, awesome. I apologize for that. Hey, that's okay. Um, <laughs> so for the listeners, Naboso is, it's a company that uh, we have developed a product line that uses textured technology or textured science on all of our products. So from insoles, socks, release tools, mats, we have weighted sticks, all of the products are designed with tiny little pyramids across them. And the purpose of the little pyramids is to create a quote unquote texture to stimulate the nerves in the bottom of the feet and the palm of the hand. Now, when you stimulate the feet and the hands with a specific pattern of a texture or a specific stimuli, the response to the brain is very kind of predictable because it's a pattern that it recognizes. This is where you can see increased foot perception, foot awareness. Uh, it activates the brain called the somatosensory cortex. So for people who have balance issues, it can be profound at improving their balance, their posture, their gait. Um, also locally to the feet, it can improve circulation. So microcirculation to the skin, the nerves, um, the tissue, it massages the muscles, uh, it strengthens the nerves because sensory coming into the foot makes the muscles of the feet contract. So it is actually a strengthening uh, tool, you could say. Uh, and we really integrate it within um, activation, strengthen, and recovery. So that's where our products are really utilized. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. And I'm actually standing during this recording um, because I'm actually standing on one of your guys' standing mats right now. And I feel those little pyramids on my feet and having worn um, a pair of your shoe insoles before from Naboso, I could say that it feels like because it keeps your foot so kind of like stimulated and active throughout the day, even if you spend a day where you're like up on your feet a lot doing things, I feel like it mitigates the level of like fatigue or soreness that you might have spending all day on your feet because it kind of lends to encouraging a little bit more movement throughout the day. And that's why I sort of feel myself continuing to step and move around because it kind of feels good on the bottom of my foot. Yeah. Yeah. We actually did a pilot study with Stanley Black and Decker uh, in Connecticut, one of their manufacturing facilities, and they had 40 of their employees on on the floor, where are insoles? And before that, they had like 90% had foot pain, back pain, fatigue, where they were like, by the end of the day, I just want to go on the couch and like lay, right? So then there's like, from a health perspective, and again, quality of life and things like that, to have uh, generalized musculoskeletal fatigue because of work and standing yeah. at work like that. That's a major public health concern as well. So they wore our insoles for six weeks and they found like 85% decrease in foot pain. The exact numbers are on our blog, but um, almost 80% lower back pain, like all these positive changes of like, wow, this textured insole in my shoe reduced my back pain, my fatigue. I feel like I can go to the gym now after work versus just sitting on the couch. So it's actually really interesting. And um, now that our insoles have been around for the past four years, there's more kind of feedback, testimonials, conversation, professionals such as yourself are referring their patients. So there's this whole kind of awareness. But in the beginning, there was definitely a wait, that's going to do what? Like yeah. not really connecting it. Yeah. And I would actually love 
for you to maybe go down that path just a little bit of, you know, maybe somebody's listening to this, or if we're talking to somebody who, you know, has never even considered using maybe like um, a barefoot style approach to training. Like I like to lift barefoot and all this stuff or, or in a pair of very minimalist style shoes that just kind of protect my foot, but don't hinder or affect my movement really. Um, but there's a lot of people who have never considered that, you know, what they've been told is you need support for your foot and, you know, you need to be, be in a particular shoe and whatnot. Um, you know, how do you approach those conversations with people about just like educating them on like what's going on? Why, why is it important to put your feet in a situation like this? And then, um, you know, how do you handle that conversation? Yes. Yeah, so the way that I want patients, professionals, consumers, all of that to think about the feet in function is in two ways that there's this biomechanical way that we think about where there is um, arch support, flat feet, um, ankle flexibility, um, structured shoes. Like it's a very mechanical based way of looking at foot function. That's where orthotics come in. That's what most footwear companies think about the feet only mechanically. Yeah. That's one aspect that's really important. That's also how traditional podiatry is taught is mechanical. But the other way over here that is just as important, or I would probably argue maybe a little bit more important mm -hmm. is the sensory side. And what the sensory side means is the skin in the bottom of the feet, the fascia, which is the connective tissue of every part of your body, but it's very complex and interconnected in the bottom of the foot. There's over a hundred million sensory nerves in your fascia, your myofascial web. So again, sensory nerves, seeking information, sensory nerves in the bottom of the foot, seeking information. So it reads every movement that your, your foot does, every step you take as you touch the ground. So if you are trying to optimize foot function from a more natural, uh, really integrative way would be accessing those nerves, getting into minimal shoes, getting into the naboso insoles with the texture, going completely barefoot, um, lifting barefoot, as you had said, is not just Oh, so that your ankle is not plantar flexed and you get full range of motion of your ankle. Again, we're talking mechanical though. Let's go back to sensory, right? The sensory is like, oh, you need to feel the subtlety under your feet as you are doing the jerk or the snatch or the squat or whatever. Um, so that's where it's really important. So I encourage people to appreciate both. Yeah. How can you integrate both into your day uh, and, you know, or how you approach a patient or how you approach yourself? Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I can't tell you how many times that, um, I have a client who maybe we're trying to do a particular exercise. Say it's like a hip exercise where we have them standing in a closed chain position. We're trying to get them to activate certain muscles or engage a certain way. And they're struggling to do it in their shoes. And then we have them take their shoes off and we, we give them very similar cues and their ability to do it improves. And it's because of a lot of the stuff that you just said, right? It's not just the mechanical change in angle of their ankle, but the sensory integration from the foot all the way up the chain, you know, affects everything. And it's amazing. Yeah. And your feet are very fascially connected to your deep core pelvic floor. So mm -hmm. from a performance, a movement, a posture perspective, we optimize the way that we control this physical body 
that we have by connecting our center of mass, which is kind of between your pelvis or your hip bones Mm -hmm. to your only contact point with the body in the ground, because that's how you're really navigating balance, right? In the ground. So that foundation and core or center of mass have to be integrated and connected and talking to each other. And that's also through sensory stimulation, intrinsic or small muscle contraction of your foot. Um, And then you can go mechanical as well, because there's joint coupling that does connect your foot to your pelvis and your hip, which influences the way that the deep core muscles contract. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it is, it is so amazing how, and important, how no matter what movement that you're doing, if you can integrate and get involved, those muscles, the deep core, the pelvic floor, it literally helps everything that you do. And, um, for all of you listening to this, uh, males have pelvic floors too. This is not just a women's health type of thing. Um, it's kind of like the running joke in our office because we have a, a pelvic health specialist on our team. And of course, most of her clients that she sees are female, but, when we have men who are, you know, maybe struggling with a particular movement, say it's a deadlift or something or a squat. And if we can teach them how to correctly engage their deep core musculature, their pelvic floor musculature, their ability to do those types of lifts improves dramatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is one of the most interconnected muscles that I love to have people appreciate that deep connection. It's like a spider web that is coming out of your core. And yeah. once you connect to that, then it changes completely the way that you exercise or do certain movements or techniques. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got a Naboso question here for you. Um, you know, I have not tried the entire product line. I've tried the insoles and now the standing mat. Um, it sounds like maybe the insoles have been like your most widely utilized product. Is that true to say? Yes. Until we launched our socks. So we launched our socks, um, Christmas, Black Friday, 21. Yeah, in 21. And they have quickly taken over our insoles as far as top three products. Our Neural Ball, which is a release ball, um, our toe spacers, and our socks. Those are our top three selling products. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, now, toe spacers are something that we talk about with our clients quite a bit because we have a very, as you can tell, barefoot, functional footwear or minimalist footwear type of an approach in here. And when we're talking to clients about like what footwear uh, selection should be like, you know, we usually go through a couple, a couple um, key items of like when you're picking out a pair of shoes at the store, like what, what things should, should be concerned, concerned about. And um, number one is like, you know, is it comfortable? Is this shoe comfortable on your foot or are you just picking it because you like the color or, or what, whatever it is. Like, is the shoe actually comfortable on your foot? And you usually have to try quite a few out to figure out what that is. And then number two is, you know, is this shoe, and this usually goes into the comfort piece, but like, is it wide enough for your foot? If you take the insole out of the shoe and you stand on it, is your foot hanging over the edges or, or does your foot fit on that insole so that you know your foot fits inside the shoe without the shoe conforming your foot in any particular way? And then, um, you know, we sometimes, depending on the client, we'll go down more rabbit holes of like picking the right shoe. I prefer a shoe that has zero drop. Um, and I have that conversation with folks, but, um, but then, you know, do you like the shoe? Is this something that you're excited to put on your feet? Because then we know you're going to wear it. And, um, if we can get you in a comfortable shoe that allows your foot to function and you like it, 
you're more likely to wear it. But um, a lot of times we're getting people out of these like narrow pointed toe shoes. And one of the things that we encourage them to start to utilize as we spend less and less time in those are toe spacers. And I've seen some amazing um, improvements in people's not only their like toe spacing and like what their foot looks like, but even their ability to have dexterity and movement with their toes. Yeah, I'm obsessed with toe spacers. <laughs> that, that's why we decided to sell them at Navoso because I was like, wait, I'm recommending this to literally all Everybody. of my patients yeah. and everyone I recommend and on social media and all that stuff. So we started selling them, uh, not realizing that they would be um, our top selling product. Yeah. This is the one that we sell at Naboso. So this is actually our new one. Um, we had a prior one that was um, prior developed and then we redid ours and it's launching end of the month. So very soon again, don't know when you're hearing this. So let me just say early June yeah. that, that this will be. Um, and the toe spacers are great for your basic like hammer toes, bunions, neuromas, like stuff like that. But yep. it's also a really great way to recover or stretch your plantar fascia because your mm -hmm. plantar fascia starts in your heel, but it inserts into your toes yep. and it becomes a ligament that connects every metatarsal to each other. So that splay or spread widening of the foot that you were referencing in the shoe is called metatarsal splay. So you want your digits to be wide, but you also want the metatarsals to widen away from each other. It's actually how you stabilize and activate a, a proprioceptive stabilization of the foot. Um, a fun fact for your listeners is that you need an average five millimeters extra room to spread when you go from a flat foot into a lever. And a lever is like a calf raise position or a push off position. Um, they're great. Even if you can get them or use them for a couple hours. Awesome. If you can increase it to be in your shoes all day, that's even better because you are just going to be much more of an efficient mover. The more that you can access the digits and the way that the digits relate to the MPJs or the push off of the foot. So Dr. Emily, I would love you to go down that path just a little bit about, you know, sort of further on toe spacers. And you said that it can help a variety of conditions. It can help with recovery. Um, and if you can build up, like the person can build up their tolerance to wearing them longer throughout the day, even potentially in their shoes, that that would be great. But two questions. One, if someone's never worn toe spacers before, like how do you recommend to them to like start the process of starting to put them on? Is there like a weaning in process that sh they should do or anything like that? And then like, you know, why, why are toe spacers even important in the first place? I know you mentioned about the metatarsal splay and how that puts your foot in a better functional position, but if you could just talk about that a little bit more, that would be phenomenal. Yeah. So when you think toe spacers, one of the most important benefits that I associate to them is toe function. So optimal digit function for walking and balance is that we need long, straight, and flat digits to optimize energy output when we walk, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's if you do a calf raise and the listeners, if they want to, even if they're sitting like do a calf raise, okay, look at your foot, your foot is in this like high heel position, right? But that's, that's called a lever. So that lever position of the human foot is in my opinion, the most important position that we could uh, 
quickly create strength and stability. When I work with professional athletes, that is very much what I focus on because that is what's making them quick, fast, reactive, et cetera. So this lever position. Now to optimize a lever and energy output, you know, it's a lever. So it's physics. The longer the lever arm, the greater torque you can create from a a energy output. That means the digits have to be long, straight and flat. Okay. Now, if you start to get hammer toes or contractures, the toe contracture is shortening the lever in in this position. So yeah. you want to use something that's going to pull the digit straight, toe spacers, right? So that's kind of a, a functional application versus I just don't like how they look. I want them to sit straight. That's yeah. a cosmetic way to talk about this. Bunions are another big one. Bunions are a deviation of your first MPJ or your big toe. Obviously, if you have an angulation in your big toe, or the joint, you're going to have a hard time pushing forward, proposing energy directly in front of you because you've lost centration of that joint. So the toe spacer can pull that out. Um, Those are the big ones. Of course, I had said like neuromas and plantar fascia and and all of that stuff. But functionally, I look at what is happening in the lever, in the lever position with the digits to optimize that power output. Um, also from a balance perspective. So as we get older, we obviously start to lose our balance. Mm-hmm. Part of that on how we maintain balance is what's called toe flexor strength. So toe flexor strength is again, correlated to long straight flat digits. Um, it's what you're doing when you do short foot exercise or doming and certain foot exercises are focused on toe flexor strength. That's the outcome measure. Um, Vivo Barefoot had a study showing that if you wear their shoes or minimal shoes, not their shoes, but it was their shoes um, for six months, you can increase toe flexor strength. So their conclusion was that minimal shoes such as Vivo Barefoot is a foot strengthening device, Yeah. right? Which is true. That toe flexion strength was the outcome measure and it is a assessor of push off energy output and balance. And it's really the critical measure for foot function is toe flexor strength. Um, So that's where I start to look at toe spacers. From a utilization for your other question was, I typically tell people to start with them 30 minutes, an hour, right? At the end of the day, just see how you feel, you know, when you're eating dinner, watching TV, reading a book, whatever, just put them on at the end of the day. As you feel comfortable in that, just start to increase the time a little bit. Mm-hmm. Certain toe spacers, such as the ones by Naboso, which are splay, are intended to be worn in your shoes. They actually hook around the toes, so they're stable, so you can wear them in your shoes. Of course, the shoe has to be wide enough. They can be worn when doing yoga, Pilates, doing rehab with you um, at night, recovery. So they're very diverse. From a footwear perspective, if you have the width in the shoe to allow it or to fit it in, then that would be the best way to use it, especially if you have hammer toes, bunions, neuromas, because that's when you stress it is when you walk around. And most often people are shod or in shoes when they're walking around. Mm -hmm. That answers your question. Yeah. And I love that. And I, that's exactly what I tend to um, try to relay to my clients is, you know, if you're going to wear these toe spacers, ideally, I want you to wear them when you're moving. Like I want you to wear them 
not only when you're sitting down, but also when you're up moving around so that your foot can start to learn how to function in this position that's more optimal than being squished inside your shoe. So back to the shoes, and you had mentioned Vivo Barefoot, and before we actually started recording this, we had talked about a couple brands. What are some of the brands of shoes that you tend to recommend to clients that you work with that maybe check the box on what you said of they do have the width that's allowable to potentially wear toe spacers inside of them? Yeah, so some of the brands from a zero drop perspective, because I know you said you like zero drop, so I'll go into that first. Mm -hmm. uh, Vivo Barefoot, Zero Shoes. Um, I actually really like a brand called um, Feel Grounds. It's a small them, yeah. US based one, really good. Uh, Flux is another one, which is good. There is a more female centric one, which is called Orgo. It's okay. organic, um, again, US based. Uh, a UK based one is called Lissom, L I S S O M. That is a female focused shoe. Those are more the zero drops that I like. The yeah. transitional would be kind of like one step higher as far as still width, but a little bit of cushion, just a little bit of drop. So I give those to some of those uh, patients that might need just a slight amount of control based off of their injury history or their foot type. Um, yeah. Ultra is probably the big biggest one on that one. Yeah. Um, on running, people like it's a little bit more narrow, but it has that slight drop um, all the way in the anti-barefoot end. I know you know Hoka. You <laughs> 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 all know Hoka, which is very anti-barefoot, but there is a time and place that I actually recommend that to my patients, a limited time that I recommend that to my patients. And that would be Halix Limitus, Halix Rigidus. Some of my neuromas, some of my plantar plates after I do stem cell injections to do a tear in the ligament under the toe. Um, some of my midfoot and ankle arthritis patients. So it's a very specific application of where I would say go into this much of a cushion and stiff rocker shoe. Yeah. Um, and that's where you're actually trying to use the shoe to bypass range of motion in the foot that you don't have. Yeah. If you do have it barefoot all the way if you can, ideally, ideally. Yeah. And I like that. And, you know, I tend to, I try to meet the client as often as we can, like where they're at in that journey of, you know, if we think that it is possible and there is the potential there to gain some lack of range of motion back so that you can function the way that you're designed to, just like you said, I like to push them down that minimal support, wide, minimalist shoe approach. But there are times when the person does not have that range of motion and due to their situation, they're not going to get it. And yeah, you may have to benefit from one of those rocker based shoes or something that's going to help them with propulsion rather than us just continuing to try to crank away on that joint that, you know, maybe there is some sort of fusing present, or maybe they have a condition where it's just not feasible for them to move towards that minimal side. So I like that you approached both and uh, addressed both those situations. Yeah. And I would just add that if someone is using a Hoka, they're definitely putting in a Boso insole in there, or if they have to use a custom orthotic, such as I have one in front of me, that's really stiff. I need them to put something sensory on this. Otherwise research shows that uh, stiff orthotics like this can actually atrophy the intrinsic muscles of the feet. So I need to make sure that they're staying connected to their feet with a very rigid uh, structured device in their shoe. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that goes back to the, or the orthotic question or topic goes back to like what I usually tell clients 
is we have this belief that, um, you know, across all society in the shoe industry, that we have to have structured supportive shoes. We have to have arch supports. You walk into any one of like hundreds and hundreds of different running stores and they either have you stand on something or get you on the treadmill. And it seems like the approach usually, usually is to just try to restrict as much movement as possible that's happening in that frontal or side to side plane. Um, but we don't, we don't, we don't take that approach with other parts of the body, right? Like we don't take that approach with say, say somebody fell and they sprained their wrist and they, they go see their physician or their orthopedic, right. And they get put in like a wrist brace to, um, put them in a certain position for healing. But the plan is to get out of that wrist brace at some point in time, not to just wear it forever, but that's not the approach we take with arch supports. We take the approach of, you need to have this to support your arch. And then when it wears out, you need to get another one. And when you buy new shoes, you got to get another one. And you just said, like I know, but maybe not everybody listening. If you continue to wear those, your foot is actually going to weaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and demonstrated through research, which is validating to some people who need to see the data behind it. Right. Um, so that's why I try to find the balance. So if I have a patient that actually does need orthotics because of severe post-tib pain or a tear, and they have, you know, ligament laxity, there's, there's exceptions to every situation of what we're talking about. Right. Um, so let's say in that case, then they do need, they actually really do need the custom orthotic that's rigid, but yeah. I'm going to, like I said, use Naboso on top. I'm still going to have them do their foot strengthening exercises. So any of my patients are never getting just this rigid insert. And then that's it. That's your solution. Magic insert, yeah. right? Like yeah. not like that or very passive. Um, so I think that's important for the, the listeners to know as well, that if for some reason you happen to use orthotics, that's fine. If you love them, that's fine. But we still need to do some releasing and resetting and stimulating and strengthening and integrating of the foot with the rest of the body. That's all. It's still there. It's still alive. <laughs> Even though it's in an orthotic, we need to utilize it as such and then really find that balance. And, and I like how you said you meet the patient or the client where they are. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that because you know, I like to live by this uh, mantra of, and not, or like, it's not like we're going to do orthotics or this other thing you could do orthotics. And while you're doing these other things that are going to help you out, because of course you can't live in that orthotic 100% of the time. You're not going to use that while you're, you know, in the shower or whatever. And, you know, that poses a whole nother, um, situation where, you know, people lose their balance and things, the ground is wet, your eyes are closed. You're not trying to get soap in your eyes. And, um, you know, people have falls in that situation. And of course you're not wearing that orthotic, um, in there. So, so yeah, we could have a whole nother, you know, episode on that if we wanted to going down, you know, why do they so readily get prescribed? But, um, but I think, I think we know, and the listeners know the answer to that possibly. Um, well, so you had mentioned a couple of these brands, Feel Grounds, Vivo Barefoot, Zero Shoes, and a handful of others. So to anybody listening to this, if you've not tried out one of those shoe brands, um, I would highly recommend it. Dr. Emily would highly recommend it. We've had both uh, personal experience using those. We really love them and a lot of our clients and uh, colleagues do as well. Um, So Dr. Emily, as we like slowly move towards like wrapping this episode up, I want to make sure that people know how they can get in touch with you or somebody on your team if they want to. So why don't we first start like on the Naboso side, 
if somebody wants to um, reach out to you guys or potentially look into um, trying one of your products for themselves, what's the easiest way for them to go about doing that? Yeah, so our website is naboso.com and naboso is spelled N-A-B-O-S-O, N-A-B-O-S-O.com. It is a global company. So we actually have distribution around the world. So if your listeners are anywhere else than the US, um, they will then be redirected. So you will have access to our products. Uh, You can follow us on uh, Instagram, which is naboso underscore technology. And then we have a YouTube channel where we put a lot of content. We host webinars. Uh, I'm a big believer in education. So Mm -hmm. we try to educate and empower the consumer and really the public by understanding the feats. And all of that is found on our YouTube channel. Awesome. Awesome. And then will you go through the same um, information there for your practice? If somebody, maybe they have, you know, been dealing with something that they're struggling to get an answer for. Maybe they've tried uh, different podiatry offices and just have not been able to come up with a solution to their issue. How can people get in touch with you to potentially work with you from a provider standpoint? Yes. So my Instagram, my personal one is uh, dr. Uh, what is it? Dr. Emily DPM. Dr. Emily DPM. That's my Instagram. Same thing. Very educational based. Uh, I, I just want people to understand their own feet and function. And if they are told something to question it based off of some of the content that I do put out again, I have my own personal YouTube and then my podiatry practice is just my name. So drmilysplickle.com. If you do not remember that, then just Google Dr. Emily Barefoot. And I'm sure you'll pop up. Dr. Emily Barefoot will get you all the information. Uh, but yeah, so I, I see, again, for the listeners that I see patients virtually all over. Uh, most of the patients I see are coming to me because they're looking for an out-of-the-box perspective. Um, I can treat almost everything and people are quite surprised. I can do very good virtual assessments that I can pretty much diagnose and treat almost everything through a virtual consultation. Obviously, the only thing I cannot do is uh, the stem cell injections that I do because I haven't figured out how to do that. (laughs) If you figure that out, um, I think that's a whole new business that you've got. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, so um, just head to my website, message me, um, you know, lots of lots of questioning. If you have imaging and you're curious about it, uh, send them my way as well. Awesome. Awesome. This was great. Um, so for all of you guys listening, all that information that Dr. Emily just shared about Naboso and about her practice, you'll find that in the show notes. So be sure to check that out and start to make your transition towards minimalist functional footwear and go get out of your shoes and be curious about the things that you're told out there. Again, Dr. Emily, thank you so much for spending your time with us this afternoon on The Code. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you so much. I hope the listeners enjoyed. Thanks. Bye-bye, you guys.